It is another Waiting for Next Year.com podcast. We are brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. And as usual, we are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Once again, I'm Josh Poloha, your host, with my co-host, Seth Wanamaker. We are back with our Kaz Weekly podcast on a wonderful Wednesday night in Cleveland, Ohio. And I feel like my spirits are much higher this week than they were in last couple of weeks, you know, Jared Allen's injury. And we'll talk about that, but just the way the Cavs looked last night in Indiana, just, it left a lot of Cleveland fans happy. So we'll get into that much more in the next hour. Or so Seth, how are you doing? How do you like the Cavs game last night? And just most importantly, just let's talk Cavs. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Back in the back in the old Marriott. So racking up the points at this point. My work travel is has got me significant points I got going on. So happy about that. Uh and yeah, I totally agree with you. Last week we had a conversation. We were coming off some real stinkers in terms of games. This week there were a couple at the at the tail end after we taped with Charlotte and the the 76ers, but we're coming off of two wins in a row against the Raptors and Pacers. So feeling a little bit more, more upbeat, even when with the considerable news that is Jared Allen and really having no timetable. So I know we're going to dig into Allen, but feeling good. You know, Cavs are still in the thick of it in mid-March, which is incredible to say. Uh, so feeling good and, and ready to talk some more Cavs hoops. Yeah, I feel like ever since we've been starting this podcast, I think probably like six, seven weeks ago now, we've just – it's it's tough to be disappointed when you take like the wide look at this season, just because as we've been saying, guys are playing with house money. I mean, they're already, I don't even know their exact record. They are 38 and 27. So already with say 17 games ago, they're already 11 games over what Vegas had them pegged at prior to the season. So like we continue to say, I, I guess it's important for us as fans, as well as podcast guys, just to, Always just remember, take a step back. And the Cavs could literally lose out. They won't, but they could lose out the rest of the season. And, like, just looking in the, looking ahead to next year, I mean, I guess this is cliche. We are waiting for next year.com. But looking ahead to next year, they can literally lose out the last 17 games. And next year's outlook, I mean, the expectations will be real no matter what happens this offseason. Just – it's always just important to remember, take a step back and just realize how special this cast season is, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, it's easy to get sucked in. And I've, I find myself do it constantly this year where getting sucked into a certain seed or to a certain way that, that the Cavaliers played when they had their full arsenal of players and then take a step back and think about what Evan Mobley is accomplishing this year, what Jared Allen's accomplished this year, the leap Darius Garland's made, um, the fact that they've done all this without their leading scorer from last season, Colin Sexton, just like the macro aggregate things that they've done this year. Uh, so much anticipation. So, yeah, this year is going to be sweet no matter what happens. And next year is where, for the first time since 2018, we're going to have, I think, serious – uh, we're going to have serious expectations <laughs> that we haven't had. So I'm going to try to temper that and just be a fan because they're still going to be young next year. But, but man, like, as you said, it, it next year's, uh, I'm sorry, this year was sweet regardless and going to hold off on all that expectation talk until next year. So this year is all about appreciating what these young guys are doing. And man, if you're talking duo under 22, 23, 
Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Best I don't in the know league? how many more. <laughs> they got to be up there, right? I mean, geez, I, I should have prepped for this question that I just asked myself. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, that's wow. why I just, I'm trying to think of because Cade Cunningham, but he doesn't have any really good running mate that's young. Um, Josh Giddy doesn't. I mean, there's not too many 22 and 23 year olds that are as good as Evan Mobley is. Let's be honest, and Darius Garland for that matter. Mm-hmm. And then when you pair them together, I can't think of any. And it's, I mean. To piggyback off of that, it's crazy to think, like, I know last year, the year before, ESPN or one of those sites did, like, the best young cores in the NBA, and the Cavs weren't even top 10. I might have been going in this year now that I think about it. I'm trying to think now. The Cavs weren't even a top 10 best young core. I mean, old freezing old takes exposed or whatever that Twitter account is should be all over that. But it's just the leap. I don't know. It's just the leap Darius Garland has to, and we can take us. I mean, we can talk about this for hours. The leap Darius Garland has taken. I mean, last night he just scored a career high 41 with like 13 assists. Evan Mobley being the unicorn that he is. I mean, he, I guess now we talk about the Jared, we'll start off on the downside of what happened this past week and start off with a Jared Allen injury. He broke his middle finger on his non shooting left hand. I didn't, I do you know what, by the way, speaking of, I was, I put on my investigative hat and I was up late, wide awake. It was, it was Sunday night. I was wide awake. It was like twelve thirty. I was like, do you know what? I'm gonna go back and watch the first ten minutes of the game and try to figure out when Jared Allen broke his finger, or assuming he broke a finger. I think, yeah, they said he fractured a finger. We just weren't sure which one. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go back and figure it out. And then, yeah, it's he went up for a, he blocked it with his right hand. For some reason, his I don't know if it was just like. It was just one. It's unlucky. Un- I can't talk. It's unlucky. But he came up with his left hand and it hit the rim in a weird, awkward way. And that. But I guess we'll talk on the downside of this: injuries, 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 injuries. I hope for the Cavs' sake they're getting their bad luck and injuries out of the way this season before next season when the expectations will be real. Because let's be honest, Jared Allen. I put out a list a few nights ago. I think it was Sunday night after I did that investigative work. The amount of players that have missed significant time this year for the Cavs and the fact that they're still as good as they are is incredible. I mean, they would easily be five to six games better than they are if they didn't. I mean, every team suffers injuries. I know that. But just like no team suffers this many injuries. Callum Sexton, Ricky Rubio, Darius Garland. I mean, I'm just naming Evan Mobley was out for a little bit. Jared Allen. You're talking about like seven guys out of the top 13 on in a rotation have been out a significant significant amount of time it's just crazy that i guess it's the next man up mentality is real for this team and just like i i guess it says a lot about just the way the culture is for the Cavs. and who would have ever thought that with jb and evan or with jb and kobe altman and just the way this team is i mean they're special they it's this is cliche too but this team is special they really are yeah, you truly had your Magnum PI work going on that night because I saw your tweet got a lot of traction. You had a beautiful zoomed-in camera angle. You pinpointed. It I was not exactly what it was. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I hate when people with all the apps that we have now. I hate when people record a TV screen, but the Bali Sports app is not the greatest. I won't say that it sucks, but it's not the greatest. And one, I mean, I know it's not the best app whatsoever. I, luckily, I have DirecTV, so I just watch all my games on DirecTV. But 
They also, on the computer, they won't allow you to screen record or take screenshots while watching the game. It'll just come up as a black screen. So I was like, well, looks like I was uh, put my phone up to the lap- my laptop screen and do it that way. But you couldn't really, I was surprised. You couldn't even really tell that I did that. But right when I found it, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was not expecting that tweet to get that much traction. But it is what it is. I hope I didn't make the Cavs angry by doing my investigative work. You were the you were the Tom Selleck in Magnum PI that we needed. Everyone needed to know where that came from. And you said it. It was so awkward. Like he he got up with his uh, with his right and made a heck of a heck of a play on the ball. And then his left like just kind of flailed, but he like rotated his shoulder. It was so odd to it see was, him go up with his yeah. I don't know if he did like it's one of those things where he might just do that all the time and we just don't notice it. I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's just just like the the Cavs have had bad luck with injuries all year. Just another bad luck situation. And now we don't know how long he, I'm assuming he will uh, let's see. When when's the Cavs, I have the schedule pulled up. Their last game is April 10th. So just over a month and a day away. If I had to bet money on it, he'll be back by the postseason, which will start like April 12th, April 13th ish. There's, I mean, it, if it was his shooting hand, it'd be one thing, but one, well, and he doesn't really shoot that much, but just, I don't see him missing playoff games with a broken middle finger on his left hand, unless it's really, really badly broken. If anything's put like, if it's not that bad, just put a split on it or just tape it to his um, index, index finger or rain finger or something. I don't know. I just hope it's not that bad, bad of an injury. But then again, it has opened up these last two games with Evan Mobley becoming the the five man for the Cavs. I mean, we thought Evan Mobley hit a rookie wall. These last two games, it's like, wow. Not only has he basically secured rookie of the year, but um, it's hard for me not to get super excited about what I, I've always been. I, not always. I've been excited about Evan Mobley ever since he showcased his skill early in the season. But just these last two games, man. Maybe like Joel Embiid and like Bam Adebayo will do better against him defensively, but just the things like he can take guys off the dribble from the three point line, or he can dribble past them and jam it with his left hand like he did last night. Spot up and shoot a three. I know his three point percentage isn't the greatest, but that will improve. Or post a guy up and do like a hook shot and dominate the boards. I mean, the last two games he has like thirty rebounds, twenty nine rebounds the last two games. It is crazy nine. So, yes, the Jared Allen injury sucks, but maybe for the long-term development of Evan Mobley, him being thrown into the fire as the five-man in the Cavs center and just having to be a – and that's another thing, too. I'm drawing off on the tangent now. Him, he needs to get better at setting screens. This is a huge opportunity for him to do that. I mean, the Cavs – Kevin Love is good at setting screens, but Jared Allen is like the go-to PNR guy. Now it's going to be Evan Mobley. So maybe for the long-term development of the rookie, maybe him being thrown in the fire like this is rookie season is going to be huge, especially going into the next year. Yeah, you made a good point about the upcoming center matchup. So they have Miami Heat, so they have Bam Adebayo. They have Chicago, who Vucevic will likely play. Who I mean, he's he's not as impactful, obviously, as a Bam. Then they've got the Clippers, so you've got Zubak and Hartenstein. And then they have the 76ers with Embiid and then the Nuggets with Yogi. Oh, and you know <laughs> the style report on Evan Mobley is just going to be – literally, it's going to be in bold print, be super physical. Yeah, ragdoll. Yeah, they're going to 
like they'll waste all their fouls they can, especially with their backup big guys, and just be super physical. I mean, we all—he's a twenty-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm. He's gonna grow into his body. Still, he still has to put on some weight and gain a lot of muscle. But they're gonna bully him, and it'll be like we—we we know it's gonna happen. Evan Mobley knows it's gonna happen. It'll just be interesting to see how he reacts. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. It's gonna be really fascinating to see how. Bickerstaff kind of plays these big guys coming up. Is he gonna try to throw in like a like an Ed Davis or the newly acquired uh, center that they just picked up mere hours ago, uh, Moses Brown, uh, to eat some of these big guy minutes, or are they gonna stick with Mobley at the five and uh, you know see what happens? Try to space them out a little bit. But I think a, a good point that you said was this really gives us an opportunity to see Evan Mobley play the three, four, and five this year and. Thinking about the Cavaliers, so I'm staying in the aggregate for a moment because the Allen injury stinks, right? It's it's going to be tough for them to win a, win a lot of games um, and to really make up ground for seeds one through five. Um, we'll see if, if they can stick around the sixth seed. But in terms of seeing what Mobley can be in the aggregate and macro for next year, I think it's going to be really fun to see what what he does. And if, if anything, you know, if he gets his butt kicked, to be candid, he probably won't because uh, he's incredible talent. But if he does... I don't mind like a hungry Mobley, you know, kind of getting his butt kicked against some of these elite centers. I mean, he's playing three of the best four or five centers in the league the next five games. So if he if he goes into you know this offseason having that taste in his mouth, I don't hate that one bit. Yeah, I know when the Cavs first drafted him, it was like within 24 hours he called the Cavs and said, "Hey, send your trainer out to LA so he can work out with me. Not only work out with me, but like his um." not his diet, but like his, what the, just to help him have a better NBA body going into his rookie year. So if now with a year, under, I mean, he's about to have a year under his belt and then being able to go against the, like you said, I mean, for the top, the Todd say the top centers, Jokic and Bede are probably the two best centers in the league. And then he's going to have to go against Bam out of Bayou on Friday night in Miami. He's one of the most athletic centers in the league. And then you have Vucevic Saturday night, and he's just a big dude that's just an out physical Mobley. I mean, let's be honest. Mobley's gonna get out physical, if that's even a word, out physical. But yeah, he's gonna see and then Jokic coming up. Nikola can literally do anything and everything on the basketball court. He's like a five, he's like a six foot point guard and a seven foot center's body. It's crazy. I hope Evan Mobley. If Evan Mobley's let's I no, we don't care. If I hope Evan Mobley can become like a Jokic type, though, just be able to let a point center, just like he showcased last night, that'd be perfect. But yeah, I mean, and Mobley's just gonna see all types of not only centers, but like the best in the league. And I mean, he know he knows what's coming up. It'll just be interesting to see how his how he reacts and how his body reacts to just getting beaten up because you know that like I, like we both said, it has to be the number one bullet point on the scouting report just be super physical against Evan Mobley. Yeah. I, I found myself feeling a little bit bad for Allen because if, if we kind of rewind what happened earlier this year, the Cavaliers had an incredibly impressive victory against the Nuggets and Allen kind of had the Joker's lunch for a lot of that game. I don't know if you remember it, but he was blocking Jokic's shot. He was kind of out muscling Jokic at times. And it was such an impressive game by Allen. I was kind of bummed. I was hoping to see, you know, part two of that. Cause I think, 
Jokic was going to come pretty strong, maybe remembering what happened the first time around. But but yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And um, I think one of the really interesting things moving forward, if I can go back to like the tactical short term is going to be what's the, you know, what are the big rotation look like? They've still got all these big guys. They've got Kevin Love and Lowry Marketing and Ed Davis and the new pickup. Um, you know, how are they going to deploy these guys against the bigger centers? Um, it's going to be very fascinating to see because they're still, you know, they're going to try to win these games at all costs to stay six seed or above. So very interested to see what JB is going to deploy here over the next five games. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. And I know, I think JB said it either prior to last night's game in Indiana or post game that it'll just all depend on matchups. Evan Mobley won't always be the five guy, but it's just that they went up against, I mean, let's be honest, the Pacers aren't that good this year, especially after their trades with Sabonis. He went up against Isaiah Jackson last night, who played 22 minutes. You can play Evan Mobley at the five against Isaiah Jackson. It'll just be interesting to see like what the Cavs do when they play really good teams like they're about to. I mean, we talked about this stretch. They're four games into this tough nine-game stretch. They're two and two, but now like there's some tough ones coming up. I mean, this back-to-back at Miami at Chicago, that's tough. We already know that they struggle in Miami. They always have, seems like, for decades now. And speaking of that, I mean, there's like a Miami hangover, because you, like, go out. I, I don't know what they do. But the Cavs are already in downtown Miami. I guess you can take that as a good thing because they're bonding as a team, but then a bad thing because you know they're going to be out in the sun a lot tomorrow on the beach. There's no beaches in Cleveland in March, let's be honest. And just... I don't know. Miami, hopefully Friday. Friday could either be like really ugly or like, I don't know. I just hope it's not really ugly. But then again, I know I said this prior to the podcast. If the Cavs were to go one and one during this back to back this weekend, I would gladly take a loss of Miami and a win in Chicago, especially with the standings the way they are. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, they we've got the Clevelander Bar and Grill down in Miami, South Beach. Maybe the boys, you know, get some familiarity, hit hit up the Clevelander. Um, and I 100% agree with you. Miami's pulling away at this point. I think they're three games up above, you know, the, the number two seed and they're just, they're such a regular season team, aren't they? The Miami heat. I mean, they're just gonna, they're so good. So well coached. They've, they've got such good veterans. 
I don't know if necessarily they're going to be a top like three or four, even four pick to come out of the East, but it seems like they're running away with it a little bit. And Chicago's within, within grasp right now. And they're struggling. I think they've lost maybe five straight and you know they got some guys banged up. So Chicago is definitely the, the game I have highlighted. If they can steal that one somehow, even if, even though it is on the second night of a back-to-back, man, that'd be a big one. I think we've discussed this multiple times too. Chicago is my dream matchup. Of the teams that will likely finish top five, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, Chicago, Boston, I'm all for getting the Bulls. I mean, yeah, they've been without Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso for a while, and Vucevic has been banged up. Zach Levine's been banged up, but... And I mean, they had DeMar DeRozan, who's an MVP candidate too, but just, they've been, yeah, like you said, they've been struggling lately. They have lost five straight. They previously won at least because they're five and five in their last 10 and they've lost five straight. And they are currently, as we speak right now, they're currently losing to the Detroit Pistons in, in Detroit in the third quarter. They're losing by one. So, I mean, they could lose six straight and I'd, I'm assuming they play one more either tomorrow night or Friday prior to Saturday. Maybe they don't. I hope they do because the Cavs have a back-to-back. That'll be tough if the Chicago has like a three-day rest and the Cavs have a back-to-back. But yeah, I mean, we all we said this last week. It's all about staying in the top six for the Cavs. Stay in the top six. Guarantee yourself a playoff spot. Get out of the play-in. Right now, as things currently stand, the Cavs are four or three and a half games above Toronto, who they beat last. Last Friday? I think it was last Friday. Um, but technically, they're three and a half games up, but really they're four and a half up because the Cavs had the tiebreaker. So, I mean, with 17 games left, you're technically five games up. So, I mean, I know we talked about this during the last podcast too. During this rough stretch and just the rest of the season, if the Cavs go 500, so if the Cavs say, well, they can't go 500, I guess, because they have 17 games left. Eight and nine or nine and eight, the um, Raptors have to go five games better than that, and the Raptors have a very tough schedule the rest of the way. So I'm, yes, it would be great to have like a top four seed and have um home court advantage in the first round, but I am just all about avoiding the play-in and just yeah, just especially with Brooklyn lurking with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, possibly Ben Simmons. Please just avoid the play-in, guys. Brutal for whomever that other seed is there. So, yeah, that, it's going to be a very interesting finish. And we keep talking about it, but it's so relevant now. 17 games left. So I know NBA season's long, but, man, it, it every game is critical at this point. So, yeah, the, the fact that you mentioned Chicago being the, the one, one team you, you'd want to play, I don't even think there's a close argument for the second team. If you look at who who else the Cavaliers would potentially have to play in the first round of a playoff series, it'd be the Philadelphia 76ers. We've seen that matchup lately. No, thank you. Milwaukee Bucks, nope. Boston Celtics, I know they didn't start hot, but they're like the best defensive team in the league at this point. I want no part of them and all their wings and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and their centers, an animal who I think, you know, we, we've – We've shown that, our, you know, against very physical centers, the Cavaliers can be out-rebounded, out-muscled. So, yeah, 100%. It, it would be uh, sweet if Chicago could somehow climb up to that number three seed, Cavs stay at six, and that would be a heck of a first-round matchup. And I'd be very curious to see what the odds would be out in Vegas for that 3-6 matchup. Yeah, I, they can't. But then, like we said for weeks now, just get in the playoffs. I mean, I don't care. I would love for them not to get swept. 
But literally, the more playoffs experience this young team gets going into next year, the better. I mean, that's cliche. I guess the more experience, the better. But just like give Gary, give Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and just like all those young guys every single ounce and minute of playoff experience they can possibly get. Because I mean, let's be honest, the Cavs were a few weeks ago they were projected to be the number one seed in the East by many teams, but they were by many, by not by many, by some sites. Um, but they would have never been projected to make the NBA finals. They're way too young in a seven game series where you literally play the seven. You could have a chance to play the same team seven times in a row. The Cavs, they're just way too young for, to win three series in order to get to the finals, let alone, I mean, just it's just tough, but yeah, I guess I'm circling back to just give me all the playoff experience this young team can get before expectations get real next year. Yeah, and, and the way that the way that Garland's really taken this step, it, watching the Indiana game and his best, probably his best game as a pro, at least in terms of scoring the basketball. So Garland ended the game with 41 points, 13 assists, two steals. Uh, he was like shimmying the entire second half; no one could stop him, and he was getting guarded against Malcolm Brogdon, who is like a plus guard defender. I mean, he's pretty good. He's not like 23 anymore, but he's, he's a pretty darn good defender in terms of, you know, NBA guard uh, defensive play. And what he was doing, it just made me, I couldn't help but kind of flash forward and think about, wow, if, if the Cavs could get like a Garland moment in the playoffs, I'm not even saying win a game, but just having that moment where he can step up hit some big shots, take over portions of a game, man, it would do so much for his confidence, his maturation, and, and like we've saying, just kind of be a highway into next season. So 100% agree with you. Just get in, get Mobley that experience. Hopefully if Allen can come back, Okoro, all these guys. And, yeah, I, I think uh, obviously we're, you know, the Cavaliers aren't, aren't quite odds-wise projected to be where they once were just with all the injuries, but just get in there. The playoff experience is worth so much more than, you know, favorable matchup and win a game, just get in and, and kind of go from there. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up and in terms of just getting in and just kind of, you know, reaching the playoffs and, and thinking through that, so Jared Allen, we haven't heard much about thus far. Um, we don't know if he's going to come back, the severity of it, new con knee contusion in, in the finger. Um, what do you think? What do you think the the chances are that Jared Allen comes back to play? So I'll, I'll kind of take the regular season out of scope for a second. Let's just assume the break is pretty bad, and he needs the next four weeks to kind of get right. Maybe a couple weeks to ice it, you know, reduce swelling, and then two weeks for basketball activity to kind of get back. Um, what do you think the chances are that Jared Allen comes back uh, less than, call it 90%, that the Cavs would be willing to kind of put him in that position less than 90%. We need him out there because we're trying to win a basketball game versus, hey, we, we want to make sure this guy gets right and um, can, can rest him and he can do all that rehab activity over the summer. Well, I guess I'll start rehab-wise. I think he should be good because, I mean, he can still shoot with his right hand. He just can't really catch, obviously, with his left hand. He can still shoot. He can still be in, um, like, do conditioning drills and stuff like that. So I think I think once the doctor's clear in the play, he should be good to go. He shouldn't have any setbacks that way. But just I I don't see a situation where he does. he's not back. I, I don't want to get my hopes up 
but I don't see a situation where he's not back for the playoffs because the we don't know how severe the break was, but the fact that he's not getting surgery on it, I think says a lot too. So I feel like, I mean, from the time he broke it to the start of the playoffs, it's probably around five weeks. I feel like five weeks is plenty of time to, I mean, I, I've never, I've broken my wrist before, but I've never broken a finger. I feel like five weeks, especially with like his non-shooting hand. So yeah, it'll affect him on rebounds and blocks, but like, I, I feel like five weeks is plenty of time. Let's put it that way. And you know, I mean, he's probably already itch, itching to get back and playing with these, his guys. You know, if the playoffs come around, and hopefully they will, there's no way he won't play. I that's just my gut feeling. But yeah, I don't know the exact amount of days or weeks, but I feel like five weeks or somewhere around there, give or take, is plenty of time for a non-shooting hand broken middle finger. Yeah, well, you get that adrenaline going. He might just tell the doctor to cut it off. Like, let's go. We got, we got a home playoff game at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So, yeah, I, I love to hear that. And that's exactly where I'm at. I think, um, you know, luckily, luckily it was a finger and it wasn't something more, you know, more damaging or potentially more risky. Just something that kind of popped into my head. I think, um, I think they're, they're going to be uh, willing to. And I think Allen, like you said, there's no way he's going to sit out. I mean, it's, it's some, it is hard. Like, one of the things we talked about in the discord this week is, you know, to be a successful team, I think you need superstars that play well at a superstar level. And like, maybe the second thing behind that for me is injury luck. Like all these teams have won championships and you can, you can make like, what do they call that? Like the, the different scenario happens and then there's an entire other life that happens. I mean, you know, everything just, I know, I know you need to step up, no excuses, but man, you can really map out how tough or how easy a route was based on injuries. So it's there's the next man up mentality is real, but there's only so many next man ups you can do. I mean, it's being injury luck. The Cavs and their fans know all about it. 2015 NBA playoffs. Kevin Love goes down. We, we're not going to discuss in details because I don't want to bring out those bad memories. Kevin Love goes down, and then Kyrie goes down. Injury luck, boom, right there. So six, wow, 2015 was already seven years ago. Seven years ago, the Cavs dealt with it, but now it just it's just insane. It's really incredible to think of just how many injuries the Cavs have had this year, and they're still JB's still comfortable going with nine and ten guys deep in their rotation. It's just imagine how good this team could be and possibly will be next year at full strength. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah, and, and all these all these guys that have stood out, uh, like a Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens that they've had to go to this year where maybe they wouldn't have if, if everyone was healthy. Hey, maybe next year one or two injuries isn't as bad because some of these guys have gotten the experience. They've played in big games. They've been the reason why they won in certain games. So, yeah, it could be, you know, maybe next year we'll be looking at this year as a blessing in disguise while, hey, good thing that the death guys got some serious meaningful minutes because they yeah. might need one or two of them next year. I mean, speaking of Dean Wade, who was that f- Friday night poster? Who saw that coming from freaking Dean Wade? I know the guys, the JB said it, the player, some of the players said it. Oh, we all saw that coming. We were just telling them to do it in the game. If you would have like, if there was a bet, a season bet that Dean Wade would posterize someone this season, I would have put my life savings on the fact that he would not do it. There's not, no one saw that coming. Even I don't think the team did either. And then you have Lamar Stevens with the game ceiling block last night in Indiana. 
yeah, like you said, these guys stepping up that maybe if the team was at full strength, they probably wouldn't have gotten playing time. But like I said, like at the start of this podcast, maybe for the long-term development of this team as a whole, these injuries will turn out to be like a thing that we look back on and say, maybe it's a good thing that those guys set out because it gave other guys opportunities and gave other guys experience that they might not have gotten, but just. And another thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, I pr- a lot lately. I promise I'm not going to drink. So I'm knocking on wood right now. It's crazy that with all these injuries, one specific cast player has not gotten hurt yet. That has dealt with injuries ever since he became a calf. I won't mention any names. I'm not going to jinx it. I already knocked on wood, but his number is less than one. <laughs> Rhymes with schmuv. <laughs> we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it. But seriously, um, <laughs> it's amazing that all these injuries to keep happening. And then there's Kevin Love. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times too. His resurgent, he went from, when are they going to buy him out to being a, I mean, stories have been written about him. I know someone had a really good story this past week or so. I forget who it was just like, he went from when are they going to buy this guy out to a six man of the year candidate to like the Cavs biggest leader and a huge voice for the team. His resurgence has been incredible one. And two, it's been like the conversation has gone from when are they going to buy him out to Will he retire as a Cavalier because he'll sign an extension either this offseason or next? That is like, if you would have told me that, that along with the Dean Wade poster would have been like my one and two of that will never happen this season. The Dean Wade poster. So not only did he slam it over, I think the the guy's name for Toronto is uh, Kim Birch, I believe, Birch. Because um, people, people, yeah. <laughs> people were saying Birch, please. <laughs> Which is phenomenal. And who he – so the reason that he dunked over Birch was because he beat Scotty Barnes off the dribble. Like ultimate rookie defensive guru, Scotty Barnes. So just unbelievable. What a dunk. So and then violent. the celebration. It was so subtle. <laughs> but he like – he – I don't even know. He, it wasn't like skipping, but it was almost like a boxer that just knocked someone out and he was skipping back to his corner. It was like Dean Wade, dude. I hope I hope he already has that on literally like people said frame it. I hope he already has that framed in his basement. Yeah, I I hope somebody asked him like what was going through his mind. I if I had to bet his answer would be I blacked out. I don't know what happened and then I came to and I dunked on the guy. I don't think he has any idea. I can't I would never be able to post for someone. I'm like the white man can't jump. That's me. But I would definitely like black out and just like not remember what I did to celebrate if I ever did it, especially in an NBA game. Just like literally no one saw that coming. It's that, that I mean, that would be a highlight reel for however long he's a Cav. That'll definitely be like the number one highlight reel for him. Oh, yeah, that was absolutely nasty. And and yeah, like like you talked about with love, I think the the fact that, and he's kind of sneakily done this, is he's been with the Cavaliers so long now. He's coming up on like the longest ter- tenured like Cavaliers that the Cavaliers have had. Like he's he's sneaky like building that list. Um, so yeah, I mean maybe does he end up accepting like a team friendly deal and becomes like a you know just like the specialist, the big shooting specialist that can still rebound and pass a little bit over the twilight of his career? It might be. I I know we're a year and a half off from his contract expiring, but it will be interesting to see. 
if he takes a team from the deal because he wants to retire a Cav. I think I think he said that before, but that I mean, let's be honest, every player that's on their current team. What do you think? Kevin Lizard come out and say, No, I don't want to retire as a Cavalier as he's with the Cavs. But it will be interesting to see. I yes, there's a ton of time. A lot can change in the next year and a half, but just what a possible Kevin extension, Kevin Love extension would and could look like. I don't know. I mean, the salary cap's going to go up. He's obviously making like freaking thirty million a year now. It's not going to be anywhere close to that. As, but if the Cavs and in next season, I mean, if they're legitimate contenders, why wouldn't he want to stay and be the veteran that leads these young guys? He seems to be loving life right now. He, besides Jared Allen, it's always seems to be that Kevin Love's either has a smile on his face or he's arguing arguing with the referees. But <laughs> although. That's another thing too. This we can talk about this forever. The Cavs been getting screwed over by these referees. I mean, whether it is as a team or Darius Garland just not getting the calls that these other point guards get. I mean, if Darius Garland got the calls that Trey Young gets, Darius would be averaging ten points more a game because he'd have so many more free throws. It feels like it's really become more apparent over the last couple of weeks. Like he's just been getting knocked around and not getting calls, and it doesn't matter if it's a home game, away game. Um, yeah, I'm excited to, once this season kind of goes through, I'd love to do some deep dives in terms of like, call it maybe real action, um, contact versus fouls drawn or some kind of advanced statistic on how much contact a player draws versus fouls. Cause it seems like he's just getting bullied and yeah, he's like a little guy, but to your point, so is Trey young. So are all these other guards that, um, you know, that get all the foul calls. So yeah, I think it's, it's time to get a little bit more friendly whistle. I think we were all hoping that post all-star game that he was going to immediately get a little bit more respect and man for the Cavs to to do anything I know it's, it's all icing but for the Cavs to do anything in the playoffs they need a, a fair decent whistle for Darius Garland because he's the initiator of the offense especially when the offense slows down and just the game slows down in general but yeah hopefully that I mean hopefully that time will come sooner rather than later just it's crazy to see that like now, it's not really the Shaq effect because Shaq was just bigger than everyone else, and that's why he didn't get calls. But maybe it's because Darius Garland doesn't flap as much as Trey Young does, and maybe that's why. I don't know. You'd think that maybe if you flap too much that you wouldn't get called. I don't It's not worth discussing. It's just I wish the Cavs would get better referees than they have right now, but maybe that time will come too. Who knows? But then again, why am I complaining about this Cavs team? Because they are currently freaking – 38 and 27 and then the sixth seed in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. So in light of that and getting back on the positive train, um, I had a couple mailbag questions. If you're good. Um, and I think this one probably has a positive outlook, but I'll let you answer it. So this was a question from Ryan. And question, Josh, is if Jared Allen is out for the rest of the regular season, which who knows, maybe he will be, maybe he won't. But if Jared Allen's out for the rest of the regular season, do you project the Cavaliers to hang on to a top six seed? So this is putting you on the spot. Cavaliers have 17 games left. If Allen sits out the rest of the regular season, are they going to wind up top six seed? To answer that simply, yes. But I will tell you why. Hold on. I'm looking up NBA strength of schedule right now because that's a huge reason why. Um, like I said earlier, Toronto plays tonight. So as things currently stand, while we're while we are recording this podcast, 
the Cavs are three and a half games up on the Toronto Raptors. And for what it's worth, they're five and a half up on the Brooklyn Nets. Toronto plays tonight. If they lose, they will then go four games up. If they win, they'll go three games up, obviously. But with that tiebreaker, the cat you add a game to that. Because if the Cavs tie, the Cavs get it. Or if the if the Cavs tie with Toronto, the Cavs get the tiebreaker. I just don't see I mean, unless the Cavs get really just like a huge downfall without Jared Allen these last 17 games. I just don't see a way that Toronto makes up that difference. Looking at strength of schedule, the, the Raptors had the 10th toughest strength of schedule the rest of the way. The Cavs had the 14th toughest. So yeah, the Cavs obviously have a tough schedule. I know we've been talking about this stretch. There are four games in this tough nine game stretch, but then you're looking at Toronto. I mean, Toronto not only has a 10th toughest schedule remaining, they have, the Suns once, Heat once, Sixers twice, Nuggets, Bulls, Celtics. They, I know I've been saying this too. The Cavs just have to. If the Cavs go eight and nine, the Raptors essentially have to go. I'm trying to think, trying trying to do quick math, like thirteen and five. That is tough. I mean, especially with the. I mean, the Cavs have been dealing with a bunch of injuries, but the Raptors are dealing with injuries too. OG Ogan Ogan Joby, he's been out. Um, Van Vliet, I think, has been out. He missed the Cavs game. I don't know how long he's going to be out. But then again, we talked about this four or five weeks ago. Their four starters were four of the top ten in the league in minutes played, and they had the top three minutes played. So you saw these not not that you saw these injuries coming, but you could have you knew this team was going to get worn out. That's what I don't. I, I know we discussed this like three four weeks ago too. Nick Nurse, what are you doing, man? I mean, when you play your when you're when three of your players are the top three in the league in per minutes or minutes per game, and you have four of the top ten, I, and I think it was five of the top twenty three, your five starters. It, this was bound to happen. I mean, you're just like de- playing with fire, and like I said, I just hope the cat if the Cavs can go eight and nine the rest of the way, which I think they can. They they're two and two on the. the this tough stretch so far with five games left in this nine game stretch that we've been talking about, just go eight and nine the rest of the way. And you need the Raptors to essentially go for, or uh, possibly five games better than, or yeah, five games better than you if they lose tonight. And I just don't, I don't see any way that's possible. If Cavs go eight and nine, that would put them at 46 and 36 for the year, 46 and Crazy. 36, which is incredible. Crazy. And they have a chance to go better than eight and nine too. That's beyond incredible to me. Yeah, yeah, forty six. So that'd be nineteen games better than Vegas had them. Yeah, I was just about to say almost twenty games better than better than where they were at. <laughs> and that's which eight is... nine, and that's eight and nine the rest of the way. It's not even like that's a good final seventeen games of the season. I think I think you'd argue that definitely certain players and maybe even a couple of coaches would not be thrilled with eight and nine. So yeah, I don't think it's like outlandish. Yeah. They've got tough games. They're going to lose, but yeah, I don't think eight and nine is like super optimistic. I think it's like a eh, decent, decent ending, probably something along those lines. Just yeah. Like we both been saying though, just win the games that you should win and steal a couple of the games that you shouldn't, that yeah. you shouldn't win. I mean, and just, yeah, eight and nine doesn't seem like it's that bad. Or th- Eight nine doesn't seem like it's that good, but then I mean, if Toronto, even if Toronto wins tonight, if you go eight and nine, they have to go eleven and six. Do you, I don't see that happening. No, that, that's actually what... wait. No, they wouldn't have to go eleven. They'd have to go twelve and five. 
because you mm-hmm. have a game on them in the tiebreaker. Yeah. You're either four games up or five games up after tonight. So I just don't see that. Yeah, like I said, I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, yeah. I think the only team that has even like an outside shot of like running a table of sorts would be the Nets, but they would have to do. They would. I mean, they would literally have to go like fifteen in in four or whatever the you know wherever they're at right now. It would have to. They be would have to, to be a. To be exact, they would. I'm assuming they play tonight because they're a half game behind the Cavs. No, they don't. Okay, but they are five and a half games behind the Cavs. They literally would have to go five, even say five games. If the Cavs go eight and nine, Brooklyn has to go 13 and four. I don't see that happening. No, not with Kyrie still playing 50% and them trying to integrate all these new guys. And they've got some some guys that are banged up too over there. So, yeah, I, I think to succinctly answer the question, I, I do think – the way they're positioned right now, now the Cavs lose four in a row, then I, I think that opens it up a little That's bit. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think they're they're going to hang on to the top six seed, which is all throughout all this year, all the expectations kind of going up and down, up and down. I think top six seed would be absolute home run. Avoid the plane. We've been saying it since week one. I'm going to give us some credit. Since week one, we've been saying, man, if they could avoid that play-in tournament, that would be huge. It's crazy that we are in mid-March, almost mid-March, second week in mid, uh, March. Like, if you would have told me in October that the Cavs would make the play-in, I would have said you're crazy. I mean, unless things, like, really go their way, they'll make the play-in. Now, it would I would say it wouldn't be a disaster if they make the play-in, but it would be ugly. It would be an ugly way to end the season if they make the play-in and not just the top six seed. Like, what a turnout in Martin. And I know we talked about this, too. It's just, like... That's why I said, just like, in, I don't want to be Paul Bowen, but just like, enjoy, enjoy this. There's no expectations on the season. The Cavs are playing with house money. Whatever happens, happens. And just like, because let's be honest, after the season, there's going to be a, a ton of expectations. So enjoy the season the way it is and just hope that the Cavs do really. I mean, I, I think they'll, as I think I said this earlier too, just don't get swept in the playoffs and just, I will. I just can't wait for a home playoff game. I it seems like it's been forever, but just like I know some of the playoff or some of the atmospheres inside Rocket Morgan Fieldhouse have felt like playoff atmospheres lately. Just imagine it for an actual playoff game. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into this earlier on in the year. I haven't had this much true fun since 2007. 
And obviously there's been greater memories that have been had since then, the championship, the finals runs. But the last time I can think about the amount of exceeding expectations and how much fun that is, I think it was 2007 when they made that you know historic run to, to the finals, got their asses kicked by the Spurs, but the run they had to get there was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You just, as just a sports fan, you have so much more fun when your team does really well with no expectations. I mean, it's really as simple as that. And before we go, Pat, any further talking about standings, Detroit is currently up as things, as we record this, 96-92 over Chicago with nine minutes left. So if, oh, no, I'm thinking Toronto too. But even if if Chicago loses tonight, the Cavs are only half game back of the Bulls. And they've got him this weekend, so that that could be huge. But, um, but yeah. And then I'll I'll quick hit on mailbag question number two. This one's kind of nuanced, but depends how deep we want to go. I think. So with Jared Allen being out, and obviously assume this question that Jared Allen is out um, for for your response to this question. Does Evan Mobley play the majority of his minutes at center with Jared Allen being out? Um, strictly matchup based. I think against the Joel Embiid's of the world, he probably won't. Well, I guess maybe Joel Embiid, because he's more of like a slasher to a, a spot-up guy outside, too. Maybe he will. But like against like Vucevic on Saturday night in Chicago, assuming he plays, I don't see Mobley playing that much five. I see Ed Davis and uh, Moses Brown, who they just signed to a 10-day deal, playing like maybe 20, 25 minutes combined, maybe, hopefully. Just like it, because, I mean... We all want Evan Mobley to like bane and be physical with the big boys, but he's just not there yet. So I just don't see JB putting him in that situation, I guess. But yeah, like I said, it's all matchup based. Against like last night, like I said, against Isaiah Jackson. I mean, it's Isaiah Jackson. You can have a Evan Mobley at the five hole and they'll eat him alive like he did last night. But yeah, against like Joel Embiid, maybe Vucevic, no, Bam, maybe. So maybe Friday he will play a lot at the five against Bam, but Saturday I just don't see it. I, I think JB is going to play an actual true five-man. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's probably going to shake out 50-50-ish, and I, I think that just talks to like the matchup base because if, if we think about where his minutes came for the Raptors and Pacers game, I think a lot of it was truly at the five because the Raptors and Pacers don't have that prototypical huge banging five. But as you just spelled out against Embiid and against Jokic and maybe to a degree like Zubak and Hartenstein, I think Mobley will probably play, but like Zubak can bang. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to to see like a hook and, and throw Davis on Zubak. So yeah, I do think against, obviously against the teams where they don't have a, a big gruesome five, then, um, you know, then he'll probably play the five, but where teams do, I think they'll, they'll probably try to sick at Davis or, or Moses, which by the way, Moses Brown is just a sweet name. That reminds me of someone on like NBA street or something. Moses Brown just sounds, it sounds like he has like a sick crossover. I don't, I don't know why that's super random, but like Moses Brown with the crossover just sounds like so smooth. And before we move on, um, Zubak, I feel like, Evan Mobley would eat Zubak alive offensively, and Zubak wouldn't be able to do enough with Evan Mobley on defense to like make up for it. Because I just see Evan Mobley just taking Zubak off the dribble. And then again, though, I mean, maybe in the starting lineup with Isaac Okoro, I feel like Zubak might guard 
Isaac, because let's be honest, every especially once the playoffs come around, the opponent's worst defender is gonna guard Isaac Okora when he's in the game, which is a huge reason why Karis Levert has to come back too. And hopefully, I mean, we haven't heard anything today. Hopefully, that'll be Friday, possibly. I know he. They keep saying that he's progressing. I know Rondo came back last night. He didn't play that well, but he came back last night. That was big. If Levert can come back Friday, hopefully be fully rested, obviously. That'll be huge for this team and the guard situation. But, yeah, I just... Zubak's one of those guys where I feel like Mobley can eat him alive. I, I guess I'll knock on wood right now. But against, like, the Vucevic's of the world, I just don't see Mobley playing much of the five. Yeah, I'm I'm actually glad you brought Lavert up because we haven't talked about him at all. And I, I not to dive like too far down a rabbit hole, but with Allen being hurt, at least again in the very near short term, obviously with Allen and Mobley in there, they have an identity and that's play defensively, tip passes, block shots. You know, with Allen out, uh, you're still gonna get a lot of that with Mobley, but your defense obviously goes backwards, right? Allen is the rim protector, like where Mobley's shot block shots and contest shots, like Allen is the um the rim protector on this team. And so with Levert coming back, you know, maybe they're maybe the way they win changes a little bit in the very near short term until he comes back again. So I think Levert could really enable a, a different way for the Cavaliers to win, having that scoring punch and with him and Garland on the floor at the same time, maybe they can go out, score some folks that, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of that, especially early on. Like it was just all nasty defense from the Cavs. Maybe they can, with Levert back in the mix, maybe they can outscore some teams. But then again, Karis Levert, his the biggest part of his offensive game is pick and rolls, and the Cavs are obviously without Jared Allen, their best pick and roll guy. So I mean, I mean, JB, I have full. I know we said that we've been saying this for weeks too. I have full trust in JB and Kobe, especially JB on like the on court game by game basis. I think he'll put his players in the best position to win, and even if that means Evan Mobley setting more screens, even though he's not really used to doing that early on in the season, he'll make it happen. But then again, I don't see Evan Mobley setting the screen against like Vucevic because he'll like run. Well, I guess it's not really versus Vucevic, but I don't know. I just I I have full faith in JB, and I know that he'll put his guys in the best position to succeed. Yeah, not not to pick on this generational talent that is Evan Mobley, but the next time. If you're watching this, the next time you want to see something kind of funny, watch Mobley try to set a screen. He like he goes up to the guy and then he almost tries to do like a little shove thing. He like sticks out his arms, does like a little fake shove. Sometimes he doesn't even touch the guy, and then he just starts rolling. It's it's quite hilarious. I'm not sure when he's actually gonna try to make contact. He likes <laughs> even his screens are ghost screens. And if you don't yeah. know what a ghost screen is, it's when you go outside your kind of screen, but you don't screen and then you just run in the basket and you're trying to get the opposing defense off guard in an easy basket. But, yeah, it feels like Evan Mobley loves doing ghost screens even when they're supposed to be screens. And, and again, we're not we're not picking on the generational talent. He's so good. That's all we have. We, we have to get him on something. He's got to improve on something. This yeah, time. if we're nitpicking here, the fact that we're nitpicking his screen setting as a 20-year-old first-year NBA guy, that is great news, Cavs fans. Yeah, a lot of worse things we could be nitpicking right now. So yeah, that's that and free throws, and then I'm done. Then then he knows what he has to work on. This hey, offense. speaking of free throws, though, I know he's shooting like 68 percent or something bad this year. He was six for eight last night. All of them, he was six for seven in the first half. And I literally had a tweet ready because his seventh one would have been his most free throws in the game this year. 
in his NBA career, technically speaking. So I had the tweet ready, and then he didn't make a single. He went 0 for 1 in the second half. So I was like, all right, delete tweet. I did make a make a kind of a rough joke in the in the Discord. I think. I mean, when when his free throws aren't going, man, that ball comes off the rim like it's just a rock, and it's fine. It's like a meteor coming off the rim. Like it's scary. And he's got such incredible touch on his on his jumpers, and we've seen him hit some tough threes recently. Top of the key, like through his legs, hit a three. But sometimes those free throws are coming off hot, man. You got to be careful. <laughs> just, I mean, if he can just like hit. I mean, right now he's like 68%. Just go up like a tick to 75%. I'll take that. So his, I guess, we're not, we shouldn't talk about offseason yet, but Evan Mobley's three things this offseason. Put on more weight, both fat and muscle, mainly muscle, but fat too, and improve your free throws. And if he can do those, oh, and and three-point shooting. I know that's a lot on his plate going in year two. But, man, if he can just like improve his free throw shooting a little bit, his three-point shooting just get up to like 35%. I mean, he's going to be unstoppable. Seriously. He really is. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Kevin Durant yet, but there aren't many seven-footers in the league that can take you off the dribble from the three-point line if he has a mismatch, post you up, posterize you if he wants to, and Evan Moby has a chance to be one of those, and he's only 20. We should end this show – every way the same time and it's talking about Evan Mobley's potential because like nothing makes me happier than thinking about how good this kid might be man it is so exciting thinking about the future with Evan Mobley because he's such a freak that's so talented exactly and you know Evan Mobley's good when Brian Warnhurst a couple weeks ago said something about it was something about Evan Mobley it wasn't his future but it was something about like I don't know because you know when Evan Mobley is close to becoming a free agent all the talks to be out. All the talk is going to be about where he's going to play next. Let's be honest. But the fact that he's already getting talked about like that shows you how good he is too. And I'll take it. I don't care about four years from now. Let's be honest. And speaking of though, Darius Garland is that good too? You haven't heard a single peep about where he's going to play next. All the talk has just been. I I guess this is a bad way to start this. Fifty-five minutes into a podcast tonight. But literally, the only talk that you hear about Darius Garland's future is when, I guess it was if prior to the season, but now it's when the Cavs are going to offer him a max extension. And not a single word has been about, well, what if he goes somewhere else? It's just like he's expected. I guess that's part of the culture. I guess it's part of JB and Kobe and what they've built here. But everything's just about when he's going to sign it and not where he's going to play next, which is huge. And I guess this is a bad tangent and bad, like, hole to go down 55 minutes in this podcast, like I said, but it's true. And it made me think of it with the Evan Mobley talk. And we may, I guess it's just the reality of the NBA right now, but I almost expect to hear about guys going elsewhere or guys being unhappy with your team. And the fact that, you know, we haven't heard any of that about the Cavaliers because Darius is close, right? I think they can offer him an extension as early as this offseason. So he's, it's not far away to have those conversations. And the fact that we haven't heard it is really encouraging. Yeah, they can offer. I don't know how many years he has left on his current contract. I'm looking it up right now as I talk. But they can offer him a max this offseason, which you all you already know they are. Um, it's His max this offseason is five years, $184 million. Next like a, this year, like a bargain. Eight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seven million this year, eight point nine million next year, 
and then an $11.8 million qualifying offer for 2023-2024 before he becomes a free agent. Or, or he becomes a restricted free agent, obviously. But yeah, they're, you know, I mean, as soon as the clock ticks midnight or whatever it is on whatever day the new season starts, Kobe Altman's going to have that signed, sealed, and delivered to Darius Garland's mailbox. Oh, I, gosh. Yeah, this is awesome. The the fact of talking about future, I, I, I this might be like a show mandate moving forward. If the, you know, someone else gets injured, Cavs lose two in a row. We're talking, we're talking long-term because now I'm just in a good mood. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I mean, the Jared Allen injury sucks, but maybe long-term wise, it's going to be a good thing just because Evan Mobley's thrown into the fire as a five man. I mean, and he's flourished. He flourished. And Jared Allen broke his finger 10 minutes into the game Friday night. Evan Mobley came in and had like 20 points, 17 rebounds. And then last night as the five full-time five man, he had like 20 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, three black. I, those aren't his exact stats. But was, he filled up the stat sheet. And it's, I don't care who it's against. I don't care if it's against the Pacers or the Sixers. It's just, you love to see it. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. And oh man, it's, I think coming off of this season, there's going to be some incredible articles about, you know, the new like duos and trios of the league under a certain age. And I, I definitely need to get on writing something like that for WFNYX, man. It, it's going to be incredible to project uh, not only next year, but the next two years, the next three years, Darius on a max Mobley still like Mobley, the, the idea of how much value he's going to bring the Cavs when he's still on his rookie deal. It's, it's almost like that QB window, right? Because he's this good. It's like, man, their window really is the next like two, three years before they have to max. You Mobley. just had to bring up quarterbacks in the NFL, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't say a single, I didn't mention a <laughs> single one. <laughs> Tried to keep it bland. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, you're right. They need to take advantage of just having, I well Jared Allen five. And speaking of speaking of contracts, Jared Allen five years, one hundred million. I remember right when he signed that. Some fans were saying that that's overpriced. That is so underpriced now. If I bet you, if he was a free agent this offseason, he would get. I mean, he would get at least five years, twenty five million a year, not five years, twenty million. And then and another big guy, Lowry Markinen. I'm not going to talk contract-wise, but he's been playing really well. He's stepped in a bit. He needs to step, just like Evan Mobley, um, Lowry needs to step up in a big way without Jared Allen, both offensively and defensively. He played really well last night again. He's making his threes, being efficient from the floor. I mean, this Tower City lineup that JB orchestrated, plus Darius, I mean, it's just crazy to see. Now it went from like the Golden State Warriors doing the death small ball lineup to, I mean, who will be the next team that has three seven footers in the starting lineup? And they'll be copying off the Cavs. Let's be honest. It's just like the Cavs are leaders, not followers, both literally and figuratively. And it's just this season as a whole has been freaking incredible. The future is even brighter somehow. I just can't wait. I really can't. It's hard to believe that the the future is brighter. And um, one thing on Lowry, so he's been—I don't know if you've sensed this, Josh—but he's been a little polarizing this year. Obviously, he had a tough time shooting the ball early on in the season, and I think some fans were questioning, like, what's his fit? Is he a good enough offensive player to deal with? Sometimes he's not the best defensive player when he's trying to guard like a wing. Um, but man, the the injury really like. 
him being gone, what's that like absence makes the heart grow fonder? Laurie being gone and then seeing what he brought to the Cavs when he came back, I'm like, oh yeah, he's worth the 15, 16 million. His ability to stretch the floor, his ability to post up bigger guys when he gets it in. He made a couple of tip-ins off of like six, five, six, six guys who were trying to guard him. It's just like, man, he he really um he really has a size advantage and that shows up. Like he 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 can play physical and man, I, I really, um, I, I maybe to be candid, like undervalued what he brought to the Cavs when he wasn't shooting extremely well. Of course, I'm going to be a little reactionary, but man, when he's hitting his threes and then he's taking advantage of those smaller guys, he's, he's a, he's a weapon. I mean, he's a serious offensive weapon and yeah, very impressed with him the past couple of weeks since he's come back and yeah, the Cavs just another awesome piece. I'm looking at his stats right now. He's averaging 14 points a game. Exactly, actually. Five and a half rebounds. I'll take that. I mean, yeah, he might be a little bit overpaid, but if the Cavs are going with his three seven footer lineup, he is a I I'm I mean, I love the guy. But he is shooting thirty a career low, thirty-three point nine percent from three. That number needs to go up, obviously. I hope it does. I think lately he's been ever since he came back from his injury, not I'm not gonna look it up, but I think he's been shooting better than that. Just like last year he shot 40.2% from three. Imagine if he just gets that number up to 40% again, how much of a weapon he'll be offensively. And part of the reason why he might be struggling this year is just, well, not this year, but just like as a whole. Imagine if Darius Garland was fully healthy all season and he, I mean, instead of having Brandon, I mean, and I'm not hating on Brandon Goodwin, but you, we all know he's like the 14th or 15th man on that healthy roster. Imagine if he had Darius Garland every game this season passing the ball instead of the Brandon Goodwins and the Kevin Pangoses of the world sometimes. Because, I mean, yes, a player getting paid like Lowry does should be able to create for himself, but that's just not the player he is. He needs a guy, he needs a point guard that will give them the ball in the right spots. So just, yeah, like you said, I we're nitpicking here too for Lowry, I guess. But just imagine if he shoots 40% the rest of the way and even in the next season and I mean, if you have Lowry, this I'm just thinking about the next season's lineup. Even if you don't have Colin Sexton back, which is a whole nother podcast discussion this offseason. Just like there's so many weapons they have offensively, it's crazy to me. It, yeah, that that's the one thing. If if they keep this current team together, um, and they kind of call it, they run it back next year. If they can, they can add Sexton to the bunch, and he plays as a. I guess at that point he'd be like an unrestricted, but thinking about the flexibility they have with Mobley and with Lowry and with Colin, like they can, they can bang if, if they want to go big, if they want to go small, they have all this flexibility. It's like truly a treasure trove. If everyone's healthy, um, it's exciting to think about. I'm sure JB is like licking his chops. If, if it's matchup based, he can go wherever, which way he needs to. I'm fine. I'm fine with one team in Cleveland running it back next season. And it's the Cavs. I'll put it that way. I don't know what you're alluding to. We'll just we'll just move right on. <laughs> Seriously though, I mean the Cavs. I mean thirty-eight and twenty-seven. If they go eight and nine the rest of the way, which will be a little bit disappointing, I'll, I I feel like that will secure a top six seed unless somehow the Raptors go on some sort of amazing run against this tough schedule they have. I just don't see it happening. Knock on wood. Um. And speaking of NBA standings, uh, Chicago just took the, the Chicago, Chicago goes up five with a minute left, so the Cavs will go a full game behind them. But um, 
yeah, it's just I'm glad to be smiling during the whole podcast. It's just so hard not to smile when you're talking cats. Whether even Jared Allen injury, but then we then again we discussed it. Maybe for the long term of this team, it's good for Evan Mobley. Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking too positive, but I feel like it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, we, we've been going macro for, you know, the last half of this pod. So we'll keep going macro and man, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, especially to see Mobley against some of these bigger clunkier guys, potentially like if, if the Cavs do decide to go a bit smaller and the opposing team has like a, a big guy out there that is a little slow watching Mobley dissect him from like mid range or outside could be seriously fun. Like Zubac and the Clippers. But so before we finish the spin off, any other any last final thoughts? No, I'm I'm in official scoreboard watching mode. Like every night I'm looking at box scores, figuring out what's going on. Boston's gonna win tonight. Uh Detroit's only down by four now, 19 seconds to go. Miami's gonna get beat by Phoenix. Looks like the Bucks are gonna win. So no, it's like full scoreboard scoreboard mode. Um, and I'm ready to get back to a game. I've been traveling too much. I haven't been ba- back to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and it's been like a month and a half. So I'm ready to get back, hopefully catch a game, um, get some of that playoff atmosphere. Every night the Cavs play on TV, like the fans are incredible. It's it's so noticeable. When they play an away game, it's like embarrassing to see how many open seats there are. Rocket Mortgage, it's packed. It's loud. It's The atmosphere seems incredible. So I'm excited to get back and go. I was My only game this season was five days ago. We won't talk about it. It was a Charlotte game. It was ugly. We won't talk about it anymore. I'm hoping to get back to a game sooner rather than later. I hope it wasn't. I hope I wasn't the reason why they stunk that so bad that night. But it's what it is. Looking ahead to next week, though, I'm looking at their schedule. They play um, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that if we don't do that, like we have been, we've been doing this on a non-game night. That leads us to either Tuesday or Thursday. I was thinking Thursday, but then I remembered that that is the first day of March Madness and it's St. Patty's Day. So Thursday might not be the move there. So possibly we'll be back with you on Tuesday. It would be the night before the Philadelphia game, I think. Is it a home? Is Philly at home? Yeah. So it's an, and the night before the, they host the Sixers and the night after they host the Clippers. So three games from now, we might be back with you. Unless it's four against now, but I just don't see Thursday, especially with March Madness going on. I'm just to be locked in the college basketball literally all day. But either way, we'll be back with you at some point next week, probably Tuesday, but at some point. As usual, thanks for joining us. If you're watching us live, we appreciate it. If you're listening to us at some point this week on wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate that as well. And we will be back with you next week. Go Cavs. Let's go Cavs. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access.